Hey, this is Miron Barreket from Inspiring Innovation Podcast. You're listening to my friend Jared Easley. This is Starve the Doubts. Do you want to do something in your life, but doubts keep popping up? Are you not sure you can do it? Do you want to know how others have successfully navigated the treacherous sea of self-doubt? On Star the Doubts, I'm fortunate to interview and discuss how successful entrepreneurs have starved the doubts, moved into self-confidence, and are making their dreams, their business, and their passion become reality, and how you can do it too. Welcome to Star the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. My guest today is Andrew Warner from Mixergy.com. We will kick off with the interview with Andrew and do a wrap up at the end. Stick around. Andrew Warner is the founder of Mixergy, a site where proven tech founders teach entrepreneurship. Andrew has recorded over 800 interviews with founders of companies like Sun Microsystems, Pixar, Groupon, and LinkedIn. Mixergy has also produced over 87 tactic-driven courses, which are taught by founders in their specific area of expertise. In your 20s, you created a $35-plus million online business. Andrew, you have done and are doing some incredible things. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me on here. My pleasure. Andrew, one question I always ask everybody is, what is the best concert that you have ever been to? A Motley Crue concert in some random field in Southern California. And it was, it was cool because it was just, it reminded me of how far I'd come since I was that awkward high school kid who used to listen to old Motley Crue albums that <laughs> used to find. Do you have a favorite song by Motley Crue? I like anything off the Girls, Girls, Girls album. And what was the previous? Theater of Pain. That was actually my favorite album of theirs. Anything on that was great for me. J. Crew versus Gap. <laughs> I haven't been to either one in years, but I love J. Crew. And it's because when I started, I didn't have any money and I. I took all my J. Crew clothes, I returned it back to the company, they knew I wore them, they knew that I had them for years, and they still gave me a refund, and I was able to use that money <laughs> to start my business. So J. Crew always is a meaningful company to me. Where do you shop now? Uh, I stink. I don't know where to shop, actually. I still have a lot of trouble finding clothes for myself, and basically, it's whatever I've got laying around, and it's painful. I hate it. Washington, D.C. versus San Francisco. Ooh, oh, I can't decide. I can't. I didn't think I'd want to come to live in San Francisco because D.C. was so perfect for me, smart people, well-traveled, and I could run to work, short run, and have all these rental bikes that I could pick up to ride back home at the end of the day. Oh, so good. But, dude, I'm loving San Francisco. I am in a great office where I get a lot of work done. I still get to run into work. And I invite people over for scotch, entrepreneurs who I've interviewed for scotch and conversation and I never would get to meet them any other city. Every It seems like every tech entrepreneur makes his way to San Francisco at some point, and that means that I often get a chance to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with them, which, you know what? I'm talking myself into San Francisco. San Francisco. What is your favorite brand of scotch? Ooh, I, I like Glen Levitt, but let me tell you about this rye scotch that I can't even get a hold of. Where is that? It's rye whiskey. 
I can't get it. I'm going to say just Glenn Levitt 12. I have it delivered here on a regular basis for when friends come over. Okay. Oh, here it is. You know what? I got to say it out loud because this is so good and maybe someone out there can help me get this bottle. I would pretty much pay anything for it. <laughs> Leopold Brothers, Maryland's style rye whiskey. I know it sounds like it doesn't sound that interesting, but this ta- it tastes so good and I can only get them at a specific time of year and it's so hard to get. And anyway, that is my favorite drink. What time of year? Just before Christmas. As far as I know, that's when they release them. Do you miss anything about Washington, D.C.? Yeah, the rental bikes. I hate having cars. I hate owning anything. I want all my stuff to be virtual bits. What I loved about Washington, D.C. is if I wanted to get home, I didn't have to own a bike or a car or even have to deal with public transportation. I could just put this key that I rented into the public bike share stalls, take a bike, ride home, and park the bike right at the stall at home, and I never had to return it the next day. So convenient. It was, that's ideal for me. That may be a business opportunity in San Francisco. I don't know why they haven't come here. I guess part of it is that it's such a wide, big city where D.C. is really small. Maybe another part is the hills here would be a challenge for people, but I really hope they bring it here. This is the the ethics of San Francisco jive with that. Everything from the sharing economy to the iPhone and Android phone controlled living, you know, you'd find these bikes on your phone to, to the hippie lifestyle that says bike ride more and drive less. When in Vegas... Soak up the atmosphere, but don't gamble. There's something about how much money they spend, how how willing they are to create a fantasy that is inspiring to me. And when I walk through uh, Vegas, I'm done gambling. It doesn't excite me anymore. I'll still go out at night. But what is most ex- inspiring to me is to walk through those hotels. And I, I've listened to a lot of audio books and read books on, on the casinos that are built there. And it's inspiring to actually see it and to remember this was once a dream that somebody had in his head. And now I'm walking through his or her dream right here and that's inspiring do you have a favorite book about the casinos i i don't have a favorite book let me see if i could get you the latest one that i read it's about steve Wynn, and for some reason i can't think of the other guy's name but i'll get you the name of the book in a moment i'm looking on audible oh these (laughs) are such interesting questions i love it did you run today i did what podcast did you listen to today Today was kind of random. I listened to, oh, the name of the book, by the way, is Winner Takes All. It's about Steve Wynn, Kirk Kerkorian, I forget the other guy's name, his first name, Loveman, The Race to Own Hyatt, uh, The Race to Own Las Vegas. Great book. What did I listen to today? You know what? Today I listened to This Week in Google. I listened to, I think, a little bit of King of Capital, the story of the rise and fall of Blackstone. I'm slowly working my way through that audiobook. And then there was a part of the Embarcadero where there's no cross traffic, where my mind just started going, and I switched to Spotify for some music. And I think I might have listened to, oh, I, I listened to my starred collection. You know, in Spotify, you can start certain music, you can start <laughs> music that you like, and that's what I listened to. And then girls, girls, girls kicked in. <laughs> I can rarely listen to that. I kind of hate that song because it's it's associated with strip clubs now and maybe it's a bit tired. But listening to anything like that that I listened to as a kid over and over is, is motivating. It reminds me that it was a dream that I had for my life and I'm doing it and I have to keep appreciating that I'm doing it. And then there are times when I wander from that dream and I think that kid, that teenager who was determined to do what he wanted with his life, who had this vision, he'd be so upset if I, this adult now, gave up on that dream and it gets me back into it. 
Andrew, what was on Spotify today? Okay, it was what was starred, and my starred collection is kind of random. I deleted everything that I starred in the past and started over. So it was Feel This Moment, Pitbull and Christina Aguilera, Can't Hold Us, Macklemore and Ryan, Ryan Lewis. What else was it? Thinking About You, Frank Ocean. I think Noah Kagan grabbed my Spotify account and added that. <laughs> Good one. Uh, Snoop Lion. Oh, I've been really loving Snoop Lion, uh, which is basically Snoop Dogg rebranded. He came up with an album of uh, reggae. Love that. Finally ended it with Drake. Started from the bottom. Started from the bottom. Now we're here. Started from the bottom. It's basically that over and over again, which is kind of fun for a little bit, and then it gets tiring. And that's where I ended it. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom. Do you feel like on some level you started from the bottom? Yes, totally. I do have a question that, that's not something you probably get asked very often, but I want to plan something romantic for my wife as a just because. And I was wondering, do you have any recommendations? Ooh, just because romantic. Oh, I'll tell you one. Of, I, I don't know you guys enough to say what you should do, I'll tell you one of the things that worked for me. Renting a tent from REI, going to the beach on a kind of coldish day and setting up the tent on the beach for the day there. And because of the tent, it was warm and we got to look at the ocean. And this was back when we lived in Southern California. And I just realized the whole country doesn't have that opportunity. So I should ask you, what part of the country are you in? South Florida. Oh, South Florida. Oh, you totally can do stuff like that. Get your, I hate to say get your computer, but get your computer, put an old black and white movie on it and pull up in some interesting place and like your own personal drive-in. I went, I went out to the store and got some of our favorite food, loaded up, forget what black and white movie, and we watched it in the car and it's still something that Olivia remembers. Do you have a black and white movie of choice? What is her name? The woman from Breakfast to Tiffany. I can't think of it, but yeah, basically anything with her. Audrey Hepburn. How's your relationship with Olivia right now? It's good. It was, it was a bit challenging moving here. I was really frustrated a lot, and I was tough to deal with. And it had a lot to do with the apartment that we were in. I felt like, boy, this is way too small. We're constantly on top of each other. There's no space to do the things that inspire me. And it was it was tough. And then and the real estate market here was really tough. So we'd go out every weekend to look at apartments and houses that seemed fantastic online, and they were expensive. So I felt like, all right, this must mean value. I'm now willing to pay for value. And then they'd be just these pieces of junk apartments that people would fight over because essentially it would be maybe 10 or 7 interns who were all going to bunk in together in this one place or maybe they were entry level jobs but they could take over these places and they didn't care what kind of house they had because they're basically going to uh, spend a lot of time at work anywhere going out. So that's the junk that was on the market and people are still eating it up because it's a tight market here and I just felt like my, my life is going to waste living in this terrible apartment and spending my weekends looking at other terrible apartments. But we finally found a house that I'm really excited about living in and it's it's making life a lot easier and making me a better person to be with. You mentioned the tent on the beach and the black and white drive-in movie yep. on your laptop. What are some other creative ways that you show love to Olivia? Buying flowers. We do date night. And so I'll put date night together. And you're hearing some hesitation in my voice because Olivia plans the best freaking date nights. And <laughs> mine are just nothing in comparison. We alternate weeks. One Friday I pick, the next Friday she does. She found us this event where people read from their childhood diaries 
oh, mm. it was so funny and so interesting to hear their thoughts up on stage. And, and of course, you relate to a lot of what people say. And they had interesting <laughs> beer there and junky fast food to watch and a good crowd of people. It was so much fun. And then we might do something like that and then go out for Indian food somewhere interesting. And frankly, a lot of places are interesting here because we're so new. And so that's the kind of date night that she does. I would love to come up with something that was as good. And so far, I haven't found enough here in San Francisco. What would be read from your childhood diary? I had this belief. I, it's funny. It's one thing immediately flashed into my mind. I had this belief that if you're happy too much, then you're going to be sad. Mm. And I remember, I don't know if I even have this entry somewhere. It could just be on a piece of paper, that I, but I definitely kept it as, in some kind of journal where something bad happened and I felt like, of course, it had to happen because I was too happy in my relationship with this girlfriend that I had. And that's a big part of my belief at the time. I thought that if you're happy, then you're setting yourself up for a fall. You can't allow yourself to get carried away with happiness. What are some tips on how you starve the doubt when it comes to pursuing meaningful relationships? I remember once being across the street from a party that I was invited to, sitting in my parents' car and trying to will myself to go across the street. And I was wearing a jacket because this was a jacket-only party in college, which, go figure, who does that? But the guy who did it was interesting. He always he always did interesting things like that. I remember years later, I met him. Years later, I told him I was into cigars, and he was going overseas, and he asked me if I wanted him to pick up some Cuban cigars for me, which I said yes, of course, even though I didn't know at the time the difference between Cuban cigars and regular, and I'm not sure I still do. But I was sitting across the street, and I was saying, go, come on, you've been invited, you you said yes, go in there. But I couldn't do it. And I kept thinking, well, you're not going to know what to say. What if your jacket isn't really as nice as other people? Do they want relaxed, casual jacket? Do they want something more formal? What if you go in there and you're out of place? What if you go in there and you're in place, but you don't know anyone? How are you going to start a conversation with them? All this stuff basically dominated my life for the first part of my life. I would say actually until my mid-20s. And then that's the big issue that I had. And once I finally learned to to get past that, to go into those parties. I never did at that time go to that high school jacket party. I wore the jacket for no reason. Turned back around and went home. But once I learned how to go into parties, I felt like, and talk to people anywhere, I felt like that opened me up to having real conversations and real relationships. And that, that opened me up to other people, to learning from them, to getting to know them, to working with them. And so that was a big thing. How do you how do you get good at just talking to strangers? How do you will yourself to practice? The harder I thought about going across the street into this guy, his name was Tom, into Tom's party, the more bad I felt about myself, the more I said things like, well, come on, go in there. Well, if I go in there, is my jacket going to be out of place? Well, the more I worked on it, the harder it became. And then years later, even when I finally got myself to break that barrier and I walked in, I put in all the energy. I was like, okay, I'm here. I'm in this conversation. Let's talk. It became so, so forced that I was uncomfortable to talk with, that I would interrupt people to join their conversation because I didn't know how to do it smoothly, mm-hmm. that I would be so eager for the conversation to go well that I would make it awkward and I would make it tough. I'm not sure that more more practice helped me. If anything, it made me into more of it reinforced all the things that I that stunk for me. Do you feel comfortable now just going up and talking to totally, a random group? Totally. And how would you initiate that? I don't even think about it anymore. How do you deal with head trash when it comes to your business? First of all, to recognize that it's there. 
So take this this work event that I had where I wanted to go across the street once, so so similar. Years later, I graduated. I start my own company. It's successful. I'm ready to go to a party with someone. And she and I are across the street. And my head games are so intense that I'm playing it on her. I essentially say, well, why are we even going in there? What's the point of being in there? Well, maybe we're eliminating the mystique that we have around our company where people don't even know who we are. And so they build us up as this big company. And if they meet us in person, then it'll take us down. I didn't realize that it was head games in my head. I thought I was rationally thinking through whether we should go across the street. But really, I was playing head games. I was still scared. So I say the first thing you need to do is just recognize what's going on in your head and accept it. And I've talked to hundreds of entrepreneurs. They will talk about their failures now publicly. It's okay to do it. They will talk about their successes. It's okay to admit success and you're not going to sound like an arrogant jerk for doing it. What it's still not okay to talk about is that we have this stuff in our head, this mental junk, and it doesn't make us weak to have it. It just makes us human. And I think if we hear that other people have it, we recognize our own crap in there. We can start to accept that we have it too. And then we can do something about it. What's the difference between head games and reality? Well, I could go across the street back when in the Bradford and Reed party and really someone who built me up as a big successful entrepreneur who they were too intimidated to 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 compete with at all could see me and realize, oh, I could compete with Andrew. Right? If Andrew could do it, I can do it too. He's not so impressive. That could happen. That's reality. But is it helpful reality? Is it making me more capable? Is it is it making me feel like I can come up with ideas that other people come up with ideas that are defensible? Is it making me feel like I can go into a room and find customers and not and and deal with the fact that some people might want to compete with me? No, it's actually it's completely unhelpful. It's sabotaging. So the question of is 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 it true or not true? I don't think is the right question. It's a good question to ask, but it's not it's not the ultimate question. It's not the only question I should say. Other question is. Is it helpful? I don't want to have thoughts in my head that aren't helping me get somewhere. If I'm going to spend my time thinking about an event, I want to think about it in a helpful way. How do, how do I, now that I'm here, how do I use it properly? Now that I've started a company, it's not helpful for me to think that I could fail. Can I fail? Absolutely. But it's not helpful for me to think over and over, what if I fail? What happens if I fail? Could I go bankrupt? What happens if I'm out on the street? Those are not helpful thoughts. Those are, those are defeating thoughts. Those are thoughts that take away my creativity. They're thoughts that take away my, 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 take away from my mission, take away from my power. And I don't want to have those in my head. Sure. There's a difference between that and, and being prudent as well. I mean, I'm sure you, you're calculating different things that you decide to do yes and you weigh out as much as you can and get advice on those things right what is the most satisfying or rewarding experience that you've had with mixergy one of the most satisfying is after doing all these interviews where other people tell what what they're going through and how they built their businesses and doing courses where other entrepreneurs teach how they did things that they're that they excelled at like getting publicity getting traffic improving their landing pages. I finally stepped out of my comfort zone and said, one of the issues I have had as an entrepreneur, and I see that my audience has, is dealing with our head games. And I think I can solve this. And I think, in fact, that if we work together, that we can figure out a solution together. And I did that in a small group a few a few weeks ago and just got an email from someone who says he's so excited that his his life is 
has been impacted by this. Let me see if I could find an email that he sent me and I can read you a couple of quotes without revealing anything about him. And this has been happening a lot here. The subject line is it's still working. I won't say what specifically for him, but he goes, it's weird. I'm experiencing insane emotional super highs and also lows. And same time, I'm consistent, trekking along, knowing what I'm doing is what I'm supposed to be doing. And he just talks about how it's changing him. And that, to me, is one of the most significant parts of, of Mixergy, that if I could show people how to get rid of their head games, well, imagine what would happen. Imagine if you were talking to me, Jared, and in your head you kept saying, oh, Andrew did all these interviews. What if I asked him the wrong question? Someone in the audience might be listening who has a better speaking voice. What if they question my speaking voice? What if they know that I'm an amateur? Someone in my audience is a friend of mine from elementary school who can't wait for me to bomb. What if I bomb right now? Those aren't helpful thoughts. You, you'd fail. Imagine if you went into a sales call with that. Imagine if you started your business like that. Imagine if you hired someone and you had those thoughts in your head. You know, we can pick up on these things when other people have them. And I'm sure you'll agree. I think the person who's listening to us will agree that when we see someone who's going through doubts and they're trying to persuade us, they're not persuasive. We just want to do the head nod and move on. We don't want to go along with what they're trying to convince us. It feels awkward. But when we see that someone feels certain, that they're not necessarily going to achieve everything that they're doing, but they're going to try and that they have enough confidence that we believe that they're going to make a good effort and that they're likely to succeed, we're much more likely to be a part of what they're doing. And I think it's also important to realize that it's okay to go to jacket parties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you passionate about Mixergy? Oh, totally. This is the dream. Would you still do Mixergy if you didn't make any money? Um, ooh, you know what? I think I would. And I'll tell you the hesitation. When I had a business that wasn't about making money, it completely lost touch with what people wanted. It was no longer about what other people wanted. It was just about me, me, me and what I wanted. And when I finally started to charge, and this is actually for Mixergy, when I started to charge for Mixergy, I had to care more about what people wanted. I had to to acknowledge that when I'm just about me, no one wants it. When it's about them, people want it bad enough that they're willing to pay. And so my inclination at this point in my life is to say, no, let's give everything for free. My my reality is that is that's just going to put me out of touch. <sighs> hmm. What do you think of that? I think you obviously pivoted many times. I'm sure Mixergy didn't make money in the beginning, and you had to work things out to figure out what people wanted, and then you were able to make wise decisions based on that and based on what feedback you were getting from your customers. But what if? What if for the person out there who's saying, hey, I want to go all in on this idea, and I believe it's a good one, and I'm going to try this, and they're dealing with those head games and there isn't revenue showing right now, or maybe they're lacking the creativity to find what that is or how to pursue that. Would you have any encouragement or advice for that person? Oh, that's the person I really want to speak to. I totally get that. And I think that, huh, I, my hesitation is I've got only two minutes left before my next call. And I want to give okay. you, I want to give you a world of change in that answer. Give me that, give me that question again and I'll see if I could come up with a, a short way to, to help out. What's the best place for people to connect with you online? Twitter. I love when people tweet at me. Yeah, you can always you can always email me, Andrew at Mixergy.com, but Twitter is probably the easiest way to get me. And 
maybe there's a way for someone to ask that question again and we can dive into that because what you just expressed, Jared, is something that a lot of people feel and it's it's something that I'd like to I'd like to help with. I don't know if I have the ultimate answer, but it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately and and I think I have a helpful answer and maybe with some work and some feedback from people who are going through it, I can give them the ultimate answer. Andrew, I appreciate your time. Love what you're doing at Mixergy. Best wishes to you and Olivia. Thank you. Did you enjoy the interview with Andrew Warner? What are your thoughts on the last unanswered question? Would you be willing to send a tweet to Andrew and thank him for being on the show? His Twitter handle is at Mixergy. This episode was brought to you by Hatfield Taylor Company. Websites are everywhere. Web branding is not. Your business deserves a web presence as great as your physical location. Hatfield Taylor Company is all about building things that matter. You can learn more at HatfieldTaylor.com. Dot com. Major shout out to Ben Dempsey and Dale Mama for leaving an iTunes rating and review. If you've enjoyed the podcast, would you be willing to show your support for this free content by leaving a rating and review in iTunes? This increases the visibility of the show and is greatly appreciated. Thank you for the consideration. Thank you also to Alex Barker, Peter Billingham, Kate Stalter, Mark Sheldon, Jeremy Knight and Tatiana Hemmings for taking a moment out of their day to check in with me via email and social media and let me know that they appreciate the show. Thanks, guys. What are you up to? Please consider emailing me or messaging me on Google+. Plus. I'd love to hear what is going on with you and what are some areas in your life that you are starving the doubts. I'm likely to talk about it on the show. Sharing is caring. In the meantime, always treat others the way that they want to be treated. Always do your best. And remember to starve the doubts. Sounds so good. <laughs> Whether or not that's true, I appreciate you saying it. It is. What mic is that? That is a forty-five dollar Audio Technica mic bought on wow. Amazon. It is USB, no mixer. Nice, full, rich sound. I like it a lot. I can always tell when someone's using a mic, but usually <laughs> it's a mic that sounds that good. Is usually much more expensive. We we have mixer G, but no mixer. <laughs>